0: Welcome in to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I am your host, Farzin and here to talk to you in the next 20 to 30 minutes about Kansas City Chiefs football, and I know this weekend was a rough one for, for Chiefs fans and for Kansas City sports fans in general. Uh, just a, a very tough sports scene for Kansas City. The Royals uh, facing elimination, not a lot of fun, uh, able to rebound though. On Monday afternoon in a win in dramatic fashion. Uh, but, uh, gosh, this weekend overall, even if you're a college fan uh, of one of the three local teams, Missouri Falls, K-State, allowing a comeback uh, against TCU. And, uh, gosh, as a Kansas Jayhawks fan, I don't even want to bring it up. 66 points. Yikes. 52-7 to at halftime uh, against the Baylor Bears. But, gosh, if you're a K-State fan, oh, thoughts to you guys because... If you're a K-State fan, you saw the comeback allowed on Saturday night, and then less than 24 hours later, you watch your favorite NFL team allow a comeback. So, very tough, very tough weekend for Kansas City sports fans. Uh, Look, uh, these kinds of losses are are the hardest. We witnessed that in the postseason against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I know it's one that not many Chiefs fans want to be reminded of or relive ever again, but uh, look, uh, that's the truth, uh, unfortunately. That's uh, th- that's how it goes. Uh, when you allow that kind of a loss, uh, confidence and optimism in a fan base uh, can really be deflated. And as we saw this past weekend, I know a lot of Chiefs fans very upset with the way uh, the team allowed the Chicago Bears to come back in this one. Uh, and the Bear, uh, things look good for Kansas City in this game, uh, but... Gosh, leading seventeen to three, and then in the second half to start things off, looked really good on that drive. But then the biggest story: Jamal Charles suffers an ACL tear, and you know, to add insult to injury, uh, gosh, that, that that hurts. It really does. And then uh, you see the Chicago Bears form that comeback, and they march to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and I know the ending. A lot of people disagree with what happened there when Andy Reid foregoed trying to get Hail Mary to attempt a 66-yard field goal attempt for Cairo Santos. Uh, and I know uh, this wasn't uh, the game for him to remember either, uh, especially when you compare to what he did uh, the previous week with seven field goals, getting all the scores for the Chiefs. We'll get into all of that in just a moment. I want to remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes. Uh, subscribe uh, and download episodes through iTunes, and then anytime a new episode is out, you guys will get it instantly in your iTunes library. And also interact with me on social media, like my Facebook page, Farzine Vesugian, and also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Hey, look, I I wish it was under different circumstances, discussing a win, uh, a turnaround, uh, but but I had a lot of discussion with you guys on social media during and after the game, and I enjoyed it. Uh, You know, like I said, I wish we could have discussed a different topic. But but you know anything to discuss football uh, I'm all for it. So this podcast is for you guys. I want to generate discussion as much as possible. Uh, Like I said, I really enjoyed the fan questions that we did last week. So we're definitely going to do that again. Uh, We we I wanted to fit that in this week, but because of uh, what we have, uh, we won't have the time to fit it. What we do have. In this podcast, though, uh, we will recap the Chiefs loss to the Bears, but I'm also excited to bring on uh, a guest, Dr. David Chow, who was a former NFL team head physician for 17 seasons Uh, So he obviously knows the ins and outs with injuries. Uh, He can also provide an insight. He joined us to discuss Jamal Charles injury and I asked him if he thinks Jamal Charles can come back strong in 2016. Keep in mind Jamal Charles will be 29 by the time the 2016 season starts. So, I I think it's a a valid concern. You know, can Jamal Charles come back strong after suffering his second ACL tear? It is a different ACL, uh, but even then, uh, you know, the wear and tear it takes on a body, uh, I think those concerns still arise for Chiefs fans. So, we definitely uh, wanted to jump into that topic with Dr. David Chow, Very nice guy, and uh, definitely gave a lot of great insight. I'm excited to bring that conversation with you guys here on the podcast. For now, let's get into the game from this past Sunday between the Chiefs and Bears. Uh, nice start defensively. Look, uh, Chiefs go out, don't allow a score on the first drive. Uh, punt back and forth. Chiefs did start with a three and out. But uh, look, I, I think a lot of times special teams can be underappreciated. You, you look what Dustin Colquitt did in this game. Has that strong punt. And, and I know there was also a penalty of, involved a block in the back that'll, uh, that forced the uh, football to go uh, even closer to the end zone. Uh, so the Chiefs did get a little a little bit of help there from Chicago with that penalty. But look, you, you, you combine that with Dustin Colquitt's punt, I mean, that's still a big factor too. Uh, with the way Dustin Colquitt has done, and he did this in Week 2 uh, against Denver, uh, in which if he didn't have a good game punting, I think Denver could have ran away with that game in a blowout, especially with how many times Kansas City turned the ball over. Uh, but, but the the Chiefs really get a lot a lot of help from Dustin Colquitt. I, I think this is one of the things that people uh, tend to not see sometimes in the game of football. But Colquitt went out there, got the nice punt again with the assist from the block in the back penalty, and then. Very soon after that, Jay Cutler gets sacked in the end zone by Jay Howard. And then rookie linebacker Ramik Wilson, uh, who is filling in for Josh Manga, making his first career start at inside linebacker, goes out there, picks up that loose ball in the end zone for a touchdown. So, great start for Kansas City in this one. And, you know, generally when you score first, when you get a defensive touchdown... That spells good things. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't go Kansas City's way. I, I want to fast forward to the second half. Because yeah, yeah, the Chiefs had a 17-3 lead at halftime, opening the second half with possession. Uh like I said, uh so many things went Kansas City's way in this game. And Andy Reid said he, he felt like the team did a lot of good things, and I know he says that a lot. But, but in this game, it really looked like it. And the Chiefs have done a lot of good things uh, this year offensively, but just haven't been able to finish. I think offensively, Kansas City's done a really good job of moving the football, and it shows statistically uh, compared to other teams, as as we mentioned last week. But the thing about the Chiefs is they haven't been able to finish. They haven't been able to punch it into the end zone. That's why they settle for uh, a field goal rather than six points for a touchdown. Uh Again, uh, we saw that against everybody, and then turnovers have also been part of it. But in this case here, uh, scoring with a defensive touchdown, scoring first, and then having a 17-3 lead with uh, getting the uh, kickoff, receiving it to start the second half. I mean, what else could go your way? Uh, Next thing you know, Kansas City goes on a really nice drive, uh, on a 13-play drive for 71 yards, taking 6 minutes and 18 seconds off the clock. But on the tenth play of that drive, that's when the Jamal Charles injury happened—a cut to the left, and uh, you you could see the right knee, the way uh, he had extended it, and then coming down, uh, especially on the replay, you could tell when they zoomed in on it, uh, just the way it buckles—not uh, not pretty. Uh, I recently went through an ACL tear. In fact, it happened. Uh, not not this past summer, but the summer before that, and I had the injury of September of last year, and I finished recovery uh, this past year. It, it's the first time I ever had uh, an injury like that, uh, but to go through that, you, you know, definitely gives you a better understanding of what these players go through when they have that uh, injury, and then the recovery process from that as well. And again, we'll talk, we'll touch more on that with Doctor David Chow. Uh, as I think you guys will. Uh, r re- really uh, like what you have to hear from Dr. Chow in the next segment, but gosh, I, I mean, that really takes the life out of you, and the players kind of admitted that after the game. Uh, tenth play of the drive, Jamal Charles goes out, and then a couple plays later, the Chiefs set up for a 27-yard field goal, and then it's blocked by Chicago. Chicago ends up getting a field goal on the following drive after the block, uh, so you you can see a tide slowly shifting, and it's going Chicago's way, and uh, Jay Cutler, props to him. Uh, I know he's been heavily criticized, especially by uh, Bears fans, but he, he he really showed up in this game. And in the fourth quarter, uh, still down seventeen to six, Kansas City's defense struggled again. Uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, it it just hasn't been uh, Kansas City's way. Uh, We saw Houston really rally and almost uh, tie the game against the Chiefs. Denver able to form a comeback with that game-tying drive and then uh, scooping up the fumble late in the game from Jamal Charles. And then uh, this past week, uh, we see Chicago uh, rally to come back and defeat the Chiefs. It's been pretty tough for the Chiefs in the second half, and I'm not sure why. Uh, you look at the Houston Texans game uh, which I mentioned earlier just a moment ago, the Chiefs did not score in the second half of that game. I mean, they they scored 27 points in the first half. They didn't score any in the second half. Luckily, it turned out to be just enough for Kansas City to win in week one. Unfortunately, that's the only win Kansas City's had all season. Then you go to this game, and the Chiefs' second half, nothing going for them, no points at all. uh I I don't know if Chicago just came out better in the second half or if Kansas City uh took the foot off the gas. I I I don't know. Uh it, I mean you you've, you've got to keep pedaling. You've got to keep going in the second half. I mean we we hear a lot about sometimes with comebacks, uh, we hear the term a tale of two halves. And the Chiefs have almost been in that situation twice. Uh you saw It almost happened with Houston, uh, earlier in the season. And then it happened, uh, this past week against the bears, the bears, uh, I mean, give, give props to Chicago, go on a 15 to nothing run in the second half, 15 unanswered points. And the bears came away with it. Uh, they, they got it. And, uh, they got one at Arrowhead stadium, uh, chiefs Owen two at home right now. And, And again, because of the game at London, you don't have many of these home games. So, uh, Given everything that has happened so far, two two home losses, one home game going to be on the road in London, so we only have five of these games left in which you can use the Arrowhead crowd to your advantage. Now, the other thing to also consider is because of the team's play so far, a lot of people discouraged, maybe not wanting to go out there, so you may not even have that, uh, that 12th man with you at Arrowhead Stadium later in the season for future games. Uh, so that's that. That's another challenging part. You, you even though you will have other home games, uh, is it going to be the same uh, exuberant home crowd that we we've seen uh, at Arrowhead Stadiums uh, that in past years that we all know and love? So that that is going to be the frustrating part for the Chiefs in this game or, or in the season, I should say. For now, looking at the the Bears game, not a lot. Again, not a lot going Kansas City's way, and Alex Smith. Uh, definitely an uncharacteristic season for Alex Smith. Uh, this game going 16 of 30, uh, very inaccurate. Uh, Andy Reid was asked about this. He said, you know, there's no injury from Alex Smith. Uh, that was his response to one of the questions to a reporter on Monday afternoon. Uh, look, Alex was still not getting help from his offensive line. I know, uh, Jeremy Macklin did also drop a pass there, but even so when Alex Smith throw through some of his passes he overthrew a couple of guys uh i mean you've got to be able to connect with your receivers and it's not like in these situations alex smith was under pressure or anything we saw the pass to jamal charles uh charles not in position to m- be able to make that grab a very challenging situation for him there uh and there were times where i think on that same play jason avant was open uh down the middle who, who Alex Smith could have threw two and could have gotten a first down and more uh, had he connected with Jason Avant. So uh, uh, there were a couple other instances in which Alex Smith had overthrew his receiver or it was just overthrown so much it went out of bounds. Uh, Tough to see for Kansas City. Uh, You definitely want more production from your quarterback. And when you go 16 of 30 and so many inaccurate passes and going scoreless in the second half – uh, that, that's going to cost you. Uh, I mean, that can really be a big factor as to whether or not you win or lose football games. So, again, and I, I'm not blaming the, the entire game on Alex Smith. Like I said, he still has got to get help from his offensive line. He's on pace to be sacked 70 times if he plays all 16 games. And, I mean, I think that's a concern at this point. Does Alex Smith even last 16 games? I know a lot of Chiefs fans want to see a switch, which I'll get to in just a moment, because I think Chiefs fans... While they do want to see a switch, and I understand the frustration, I think Chiefs fans are missing out on something really important as to why the Chiefs can't make this switch. There's a huge reason for that, and we'll we'll jump on that shortly after, uh, after this. But it, it is hard to see the offense go like this uh, when you had Jamal Charles, at least. Uh, well, let me put it this way. The Chiefs on paper had uh, a really strong trio at running back, tight end, and wide receiver with Jamal Charles. Travis Kelsey, and Jeremy Macklin. I I, I don't know if uh, you could ask for a better running back tight end wide receiver trio. I've mentioned that several times this year. I think Alex Smith has one of the better trios, or had one of the better trios in the NFL. And look, I, I know Jamal's injury and being out for the year, I know it's going to hurt the Chiefs even more, but even when he was on the team, this offense could not move very well. And Jamal Charles tried to lift the team as much as he could, but even so, this is still a Chiefs offense that hasn't been able to, to do a lot in terms of scoring. Uh, like I said earlier, they've been successful in moving the football. Uh, but coming together in the red zone, that's where this team has struggled the most. And it's turned to either bad finishes, having to settle with a field goal, or turnovers. Defensively, and we've got to touch on this, I think the defense is is not getting a lot of the, the criticism that it deserves. Uh, a lot of people focusing on the offense, but... Hey, look, the defense hasn't been great either. And giving up only 18 points against the Bears team, granted it was three in the first half and then 15 in the second half, that's, that's another topic. But uh, overall this season, the defense hasn't been good. And very surprising too. Uh, this is a very dominant defense uh, that's played very well the past four years, since 2011, ever since Justin Houston was drafted and, and got a lot of playing time. He and Tom Bahali have really formed a, a solid duo and we haven't really seen that solid duo so much this year uh, statistically, uh, and it's not showing up uh, on the scoreboard either. 18 touchdowns allowed, that's the second most uh, for the, in the NFL behind Tampa Bay. The Chiefs didn't even allow uh, 30 points in a game last year. In fact, they went 19 straight games without allowing uh, 30 or more points, 19 consecutive Uh, regular season games Uh, and that's that's not easy and for the Chiefs to do that was was really impressive Uh, but this year 26th in total defense 27th against the pass so teams are finding a weakness in this Chiefs team Uh, and again I think it, it adds to the surprise with Sean Smith coming back a lot of people thought the Chiefs would do better especially with how Marcus Peters play has played so far He's been he's been tremendous. I do want to say one thing. It concerns me and as great as Marcus Peters has been this year, uh, we've seen uh, we've seen him slip in the past couple of games. But he's the only one that has an interception for the Chiefs. He has two in fact. But you would think the Chiefs would have had it even more by now, especially with this uh, strong secondary, which I think is one of the best in the NFL uh up to this point at least eighteen touchdowns allowed twenty eight point six points per game that 's the third most points allowed behind Tampa Bay and Jacksonville, so this is definitely a chief's defense that has seen better days uh, definitely uh one, one of the uh surprising parts of of this season to me is the defense i i if If you told me the offense would struggle this year, I would have said we, we 'd probably be involved in a lot of low scoring games, but that hasn 't been the case. For the Chiefs, the defense, and look, a good offense has to help a good defense and vice versa. Uh, going three and out and uh, committing these turnovers, uh, it, it's, it, it it can be hard on a defense. It can be taxing. But look at week two, when Kansas City committed five turnovers, before the fifth turnover at least, we should touch on this, the Chiefs' defense still held strong. I mean, they were really stout against Peyton Manning and the Broncos' offense uh even when the, when the chiefs committed four turnovers before that fifth giveaway and i was surprised to see that uh again th- because of that time of possession that can really change and uh help the team that's getting those t- takeaways because the defense is on the field so much but that that wasn't the case in that game uh but in th- for the most of this season uh this defense has uh has really uh, I mean, the games have just taken a toll on the d- defense. I think that's the best way to put it. You see the three and outs and the and the turnovers, uh, but still, e- even then, uh, the defense has has gotten off to slower starts in uh, games to start off, especially against Green Bay and Cincinnati. So there you have it. That's the Chiefs' defense, and uh, you know, for the game overall, and, and I should t- touch on this. The game uh, winning field goal attempt from 66 yards, uh, you know, I, I disagreed with it because it's a 66 yard attempt, it's never happened in the NFL, uh, you know, Hail Mary, Hail Marys, those are very rare, last time it happened, Tyler Pelko was the quarterback, he did it coincidentally against Chicago, uh, and there was a little bit of luck there because the Bears did have an interception, but the defender, I think it was Erlacher, who dropped it to Dexter McCluster, so a little bit of luck uh, tends to be involved with Hail Marys, too. Uh, but look, I think in that case, why didn't the Chiefs attempt something that rarely happens versus something that's never happened in a 66-yard field goal attempt? Uh, definitely, that, That's definitely not on Cairo Santos. Uh, I mean, you can't expect him to go out there and make it. Andy Reid said that that is his range and that he's made it in practice. But look, what happens in practice and what you do... In a game. Totally different things. Basketball players. uh, I mean LeBron James is well known for being able to make full court shots. But he doesn't attempt them during games. Uh, There are a lot of kickers who can make from 60, 65, 70, maybe 75 yards in practice. But we never see them do it during a game. We never see them attempt it in those situations. So it's hard for Cairo Santos to be expected to come away with a win there for the Chiefs in that situation. Now I want to touch on the Alex Smith contract because a lot of people are wanting to see a quarterback switch. And again, I understand it's not fun to see the chiefs play like this and you definitely want a quarterback switch, but be aware guys. Uh, the NFL is a business and if Andy Reid does bench Alex Smith, sure. You could be, uh, you, you could try your chance with chase Daniel, or Aaron Murray. I, I, obviously, I think the number one option would be Chase Daniel. But the thing with Alex Smith, and I and I bring this up not necessarily because of people wanting to switch this season, but a lot of people want a new quarterback in the off season. The Chiefs signed Alex Smith to a four-year extension worth $68 million. Now, the extension happened before the start of last season, but Alex Smith is in the first of that new four-year deal. 2015, this year, his first year of that new contract, he's going to play in 2016, 2017, and 2018. So the Chiefs have him locked up through 2018. Alex Smith has a cap hit of $15.6 million and a dead cap of $40.5 million. So the dead cap does not help the Chiefs at all. Now, a lot of people are saying trade him. Now, yeah, sure, I think, you, you sure, you can trade a guy, but NFL team, and this is the thing that fans don't understand, NFL teams have to carry that contract with them. That's why not a lot of teams were willing to trade for Dwayne Bow. I mean, maybe a team was interested for Dwayne Bow, but not with that hefty contract. That's another thing that, that fans need to be aware of. And, and I I attribute the blame to fantasy football and video games, and I don't, I don't want that to rub off the wrong way. I mean, I play fantasy football. I've i played video games before, I, I, I've played Madden, I think it's fun to, to, to enjoy, but I think the salary cap and the business aspect of Madden and fantasy football is not the same as how it goes down in, in, in real life. I, I, I think that's something fans are completely misled by. You cannot just trade Alex Smith to a team desperate for a quarterback with that contract. I mean, teams, I, I mean, it's like, it's like dating a woman. I mean if she if she's a if she's a single mother, you're not just dating her, you're dating the kid as well. I mean it comes with a territory. The Chiefs can't just trade Alex Smith and be over with it. The opposing team has to has to accept the contract, and that's not something that a lot of teams would want to deal with right now, especially with how Alex Smith is playing. 2016, Alex Smith set to make 17.8 million dollars with nearly 25 million dollars of a dead cap hit, however, in 2017, Alex Smith projected to make 16.9 million. The dead cap falls to 7.2 million. Now, look, 17.2 million is a lot to you and I, uh, but in the NFL standards, uh, that kind of dead cap in this situation, I think you can do something about it. I think it'd be a more uh, feasible option to draft a quarterback that year and. and eventually go to him as a starter and then possibly trade or release Alex Smith I will say Alex Smith is going to be 33 in 2017 uh, and, and even though the contract is a little less uh, hard to, to to deal with, less baggage there uh, not a lot of teams are going to be willing to trade for a 33 year old quarterback, so teams will have other options, so I think the, the, big, the best option at that point would be to release Alex Smith if the Chiefs get to that point and if Alex Smith continues to struggle. Bottom line, the Chiefs are locked up with Alex Smith for at least the next two years, at least through the 2016 season. Again, I know that's not something Chiefs fans want to hear, but that's a contract Alex Smith has been signed to. Uh, maybe you can attribute some of that blame to John Dorsey. Maybe he signed him a little too soon. Uh, I understand he had a good 2013 season, but you know what if, uh, what if he waited a little bit more? Because that was an easy schedule, as we've got to admit there. I know Chiefs fans didn't want to admit it at the time during that 9-0 run, but now Chiefs fans are looking back and saying that he he had success during an easy schedule. And look, it's not fun. It's hard to see the Chiefs play like this, especially when there were so many high expectations. A lot of teams actually had the Chiefs, if they had a different AFC West winner in their preseason prediction, a lot of people thought the Chiefs could have topped the Broncos and taking away that AFC West from Denver, bringing it back to Kansas City, but it just hasn't been able to work out that way. In fact, the Chiefs uh, in the bottom of the league, so the Chiefs definitely one of the surprising teams this year in the NFL. Uh, and Look, I, I understand the quarterback will get the most criticism, but do know it's everywhere. In coaching, too. Uh, teams are not... One and four uh, with just one reason. Uh, It it goes all over. And Andy Reid's taken blame for it. The players have taken blame for it. Uh, it, It's all over. Uh, You're not one and four uh, with just uh, one or two reasons. There's a lot of factors that that go into this. And the Chiefs really have to figure it out. Especially with Jamal Charles being out right now uh, for the season with the torn ACL. Speaking of Jamal Charles and his ACL injury. A lot of questions surrounding Jamal Charles. Uh, it is confirmed that it's an ACL tear in his right knee, but he's gonna be 29 this off season, or part of me in the. Uh, well, it is now the off season for him, but he'll be 29 in December, so that'll be how old he'll be going into the 2016 season. How is Jamal Charles a running back, uh, a position where? Uh, successful careers don't last long for the most part at that position but can a guy like Jamal Charles who's going through a second knee injury in his body can he come back strong we're going to talk to Dr. David Chow next here on the Chiefs on podcast Back here on the Chief Zone, it's time for our guest segment for this week, and we have Dr. David Chow, former NFL head team physician for the San Diego Chargers for 17 seasons. He's been uh, very involved with professional sports overall in the NBA, Major League Baseball, the Olympics, the X Games, and much more. He's very gracious to give us a few minutes of his time. Here he is on the Chief Zone, Dr. David Chow. Doctor, thanks for coming on with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right, let's get into it. The biggest story with the Kansas City Chiefs, Jamal Charles suffers a torn ACL in his right knee and it's a non-contact injury now. Anytime injuries happen, sometimes uh, it's involved during a hit, a tackle of some sort, but uh, you know what when, ha- when it happened with Jamal Charles, it was a non-contact injury. Uh, is it common for ACL tears to occur in non-contact situations?
1: Well, actually, the majority of ACL pairs are actually non-contact. It's the unusual situation like a Rob Gronkowski where you're hit. Most of them are just plant and twist injuries rather than contact. Seventy uh, percent or more are non-contact injuries where your foot sticks in the ground and your body is trying to cut and shift. And, uh, you know, the femur goes one way and the tibia goes another. Uh, so it's actually more common than you think, which is why with all the less contact in the preseason with a new CBA ACL tears really haven't dropped that much because they're full speed, non-contact injuries most commonly.
0: Dr. Jamal Charles will turn 29 in December. uh, So it'll be 29 when the 2016 season kicks off, which is his expected return. He tore his left ACL in 2011. He came back very strong though in 2012. It's not the same ACL. So obviously not a re-tear with that said, Uh, This being the second time it's happened to him in his body, can Jamal Charles return strong in 2016?
1: You know, I'm a glass-half-full kind of guy, and I think there's good reason to be optimistic here with Jamal. Uh, You do correctly point out he had a great recovery from from his 2011 ACL left knee tear, uh, and uh, I think he got overshadowed in that year by Adrian Peterson, who recovered uh, from the same-year injury and Adrian Peterson got 2,000 yards in all the publicity. But you have to remember, and I think you point out, that Jamal Childs set his career best to this day, 1,500 yards in the, his first season back after his left knee ACL. So I think what he has going for him is A, uh, he's done it before. Uh, he know, B, he knows what to do this time. C, it's his other knee. Uh, uh, so in some ways, it's an advantage as opposed to a retail, which actually is actually more common. And then finally, uh, the news came back good today where it was, quote, isolated, and that's what it looked like on video, an isolated ACL without associated cartilage damage. So I think there's a 95% chance that he will come back and come back strong. Of course, father time gets everybody, especially running backs, and that's what he's going to battle. But I think from the ACL, I think the outlook uh, is uh, cautiously optimistic.
0: A minute or two left here with Dr. David Chow, Doc, Jamal Charles suffered an ACL turn in, in Week 2 of the 2011 season, so it happened very early. But even so, he had a very abbreviated workload during the 2012 OTAs. Uh, we mentioned it is the opposite knee, and you said he, you think he can come back strong and be a very good running back again. Uh, the injury uh, this year happened fairly early in the, in the young part of the 2015 season in Week 5. Uh, Should we expect a similar recovery process this offseason for Jamal Charles in which he's limited in no TAs, or would you suggest anything different the second time around?
1: Well, you know, uh, as well as he did last time, I'd be tempted to tell him don't change a thing. (laughs) It worked out great. I mean, 1,500 yards, like I said, was his career best. So uh, I think whatever he did last time uh, to do it again, I think you would take that in a second. Uh, I I think uh, fans and coaches sometimes get a little – too preoccupied of what he's doing and OTAs are not doing. Uh, to me, if he's ready game one and week one in, in good form, that's what you're shooting for. And uh, I would leave that up to him, his doctors, and the quality Chiefs uh, training staff to figure that out.
0: Being in the AFC West with the Chargers uh, that you spent some time there, uh, you surely have seen your fair share of Jamal Charles in person quite a bit and on TV, I'm sure. Uh, very gifted athlete, no question about it. He's one of the best running backs today. Is there anything else you can shed light on uh, on the subject in terms of running backs and ACL tears before we let you go?
1: Well, uh, a couple things. First of all, the you know ACL tear on the other knee is actually more common than re-tearing the same knee. Once the left knee is healed, it's usually pretty good. and so This is common, and there's there is some genetic predisposition to this happening, and also occupational hazard, uh, running, jumping, cutting. Like, you know, right now in my life, I, I don't have a chance to tear my ACL. I'm not doing anything that athletic uh, in, in in my life. So there's occupational hazard. The other thing I'll tell you is as players get bigger, faster, stronger, you can work out and be the best shape of your life and as strong as possible, but your ACL really doesn't get any stronger or bigger. Uh, you know, the, the the 300-pound guy and the... And the 150-pound guy, the ACL, is not twice as big. It's essentially the same. It is what it is. And so that's, it's, a, it's a weak point for uh, running, jumping, uh, cutting. Uh, but, you know, hopefully he'll, uh, he'll come back, and uh, I, I think he will, And uh, based on what he's done before. And, uh, and, and you never want to see this happen to anyone.
0: He's Dr. David Chow, former NFL head team physician for 17 years. You can follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. All right, thanks. All right, there you have it. That's Dr. David Chow, former NFL head team physician for 17 seasons. Uh, very encouraging, obviously, to, to hear him say that uh, about Jamal Charles. Uh, uh, look, it, it's they it, mentioned Adrian Peterson, too. Uh, very rare that we see running backs come back strong after an ACL tear. And it just so happened in 2012, two running backs came back strong. And, and look, Adrian Peterson, I think, deserved... Uh, a, a lot of positive attention. Coincidentally, the Chiefs will be facing AP this week, and the Vikings will have our preview in the next podcast episode this week. Uh, but but in terms of Adrian Peterson, I, a lot of people were surprised with him. People had high expectations for Jamal Charles because, as we mentioned uh, with Dr. Chow... Uh, It happened in week two for Jamal, whereas Adrian Peterson, if I'm not mistaken, it happened in either week 16 or 17, so very late in the season for the Vikings, uh, but still came back very strong in 2012. Uh, Again, very rare scene where you see two running backs uh, the same year be able to do that, return from a tear, uh, an ACL tear in the knee, and then just shine uh, the following season. So hopefully Jamal Charles can come back. Look, he's obviously a huge part of this offense. Uh, We saw it in 2013, just how much he lifted this offense. And really, there was no one else around him that really stepped up. So the Chiefs definitely need him. I mean, he came through in 2014. Niall Davis did a good job filling in for him in his absence. But uh, gosh, uh, it is hard, especially with how much the Chiefs are struggling and how big Uh, part of the offense he's been this year without him there are a lot of question marks and you know what this is where coaching comes into play Andy Reid's gone through injuries before in the past and uh you know as a longtime head coach uh you know let's see what he can do and I I think there's a chance for Alex Smith to do something as well Alex Smith knows uh there is some pressure on him to uh to, to to lift the offense uh this is not an easy task by all means it's definitely a tall order to have a Chiefs offense function without Jamal Charles, but look at 2012, or pardon me, 2011 when it happened to Charles, the Chiefs fell just short of winning the AFC West, or at least tying for first place, and look, I I understand, that was a very strange year in the AFC West, we had three teams tie for first place with an 8-8 record, instead the Broncos, uh, led by Tim Tebow, a, a really great turnaround that season uh, in John Fox's first season uh, w- with the quarterback changes they had that year, but uh, look, I'm not saying the the AFC West is going to finish with an eight and eight team uh, winning the the division. Obviously, the D- Denver Broncos playing very well, and I think the Raiders might even give the Bronco or uh, the Broncos, yeah, a run for their money. But these kinds of things you never know. Sometimes uh, the Chiefs did finish with seven wins that season, and Jamal and they started zero and two uh you know when Jamal Charles hurted his knee uh is in the second game after that happened the chiefs went 0 and 2 and then uh shortly after going 0 and 3 they went on to win uh their next four games uh so you never know Some, sometimes this can motivate a team sometimes this, these kinds of things can bring a team together uh so hopefully the chiefs can find a silver lining in this and i understand a lot of chiefs fans want a tank for the draft and Look, I, I said in the last segment about Alex Smith and the quarterbacks, I don't, I don't anticipate a quarterback to be drafted at least very high because of the contract situation. So we're stuck with Alex Smith, whether you like it or not. And I, I know a lot of you may not like that. But to me, when it comes to tanking in the draft, it doesn't matter to me where the Chiefs finish. I, it really doesn't. When was the last time the Chiefs had a really incredible player drafted in the first round? I mean, if you look at the past 13, 14 years and the amount of players they've drafted in the first round, they've had some solid first round results from players. Obviously, Marcus Peters off to a good start. Tamba a another notable player drafted in the first round. Uh, Derek Johnson, I know he got off to a slow start in his career, but he got things going eventually. But if you look at who the Chiefs have drafted that have turned uh, become very successful, a lot of them weren't first round picks. Jamal Charles, again, who's uh, been a, a topic of discussion in this podcast, he was drafted in the third round. Same thing with Justin Houston. I, probably the uh, the best uh, players who the Chiefs have on offense and defense, obviously not this moment, uh, b- but... Both of them were third-round picks. And by the way, I should note Eric Berry, who was drafted in the first round. I know he's had a couple down seasons last year of course with injuries and his health. And then 2011 also tore an ACL there. Uh, But uh, he's been very successful anytime he has played for the Chiefs. And he's gotten off to a very good start this season coming back after playing only six games last year. But Uh, Jared Allen, another guy, drafted in the fourth round, in fact drafted as a long snapper. Dante Hall, who was a fifth round pick, uh, incredible on special teams, Uh, a lot of people surprised by that too. Uh, Look, look, Richard Sherman, who I think is probably uh, rated as the number one defensive player by the media nationally and by fans as well, he was a guy that was drafted very late and wasn't even drafted in the first or second day. So look, you can find a diamond in the rough, and obviously Tom Brady, Ladanian Tomlinson, Priest Holmes, guys who were e- either drafted later or not drafted at all. Uh, the the uh, to me, tanking for the draft, uh, I'm not. I'm not for it. I, I'm really not. I, I, to quote former Chiefs head coach Herm Edwards, "You play to win the game. Uh, so go out there, try to win." Uh, I know a lot of people. What they'll say, you know, hey, Andrew Luck was a special player. I get that, uh, and, and he's a great player. The Colts. Obviously benefited in losing a lot of games and eventually landed him. Uh, so if it happens for the Chiefs, great. You know maybe they do go off their quarterback if they do have that high pick and then have him on the bench to develop. But as I said in the last se- in the last segment, do you really draft a quarterback, pay him a lot of money to sit behind Alex Smith and then uh, switch quarterbacks midway through the season when Alex Smith is making a lot of money? I mean, the situation... Alex Smith's contract doesn't help the situation. I, I understand that. And a lot of Chiefs fans are upset by it, but... Uh, that's the situation we're in. And look, good players have been found later in the draft. Look at Russell Wilson. Wasn't even a first-round draft pick. Wilson was drafted in the third round the same year... Andrew Luck and RG3 were drafted. And obviously Luck and RG3 went 1-2... and two that year, how many Super Bowls have Luck in RG3-1 combined? And in terms of, if you want to just look at statistics, and again I've said this before on the podcast, I love statistics, I'm a stats guy but statistics are not everything Andrew Luck, clearly the best quarterback from those three in that draft class statistically but in terms of overall success, Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl and immediately took the Seahawks Back to another Super Bowl. I know he they, they fell short in the end there, but look, he, he he's won two conference titles, has been to two Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl. So you can find success su- successful players later in the draft. You know who who are those kinds of guys? It's hard to tell this early, but even so, even if it is draft day, it's still hard to tell. But you know what? That's what the NFL hires general managers and scouts for. Those guys spend a lot of time, even during the season, uh, watching all these college football players, seeing how they do, and then they get together and they, they make a decision. They say, all right, well, uh, I've seen a lot of good things from this kid out of this college. And not a lot of people in the media, not a lot of scouts think highly of him. Like, we may. You never know. And, and look, guys like Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, guys drafted outside of the first round and then going to a championship it's rare it's uh it happens once in a blue moon but bottom line is I'm saying it happens so that's why I'm not I'm not in favor of l- losing out intentionally and teams will never do this obviously Andy Reid has a job if he loses out his job could be on the line his position could be in jeopardy so same thing with, with the players too I mean these guys are playing for a job as well if this team suddenly loses 15 in a row to end the season uh, there there, there, there could be a lot of changes. <laughs> I mean, look, if you lose 15 in a row, you're not going to be wanting a lot of these players back. So obviously that's not something the, the Chiefs are in. I know from a fan standpoint, it's a lot different, but uh, what a fan wants and what players and coaches want never going to coincide in situations like this when it comes to trying to get a high draft spot. So that's all I urge you Chiefs fans. Just be aware of, Draft placement doesn't mean everything. That'll do it for this edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. Thank you once again to Dr. David Chow for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks to you, the listeners. For listening once again be sure to download and subscribe through itunes anytime a new episode is out and anytime you are on itunes a new episode will be downloaded to your library and you can listen anytime anywhere the Chiefs zone podcast farzim vasugin here with you thank you once again for listening i will talk to you guys later this week for our preview chiefs and vikings let's see if the chiefs can turn it around on the road talk to you then take care